Hey, y'all. It's your fam, Black Fluid Poet, coming to you live from my humble abode of books during this pandemic paradise where quarantine, though it seems to be over, that shit ain't cute. Anyway, child, I'm wanting to share with you this newfound wisdom I have about expectations. And I can tell you honestly that my life is in shambles and has never been better. I mean, the reason why both is because of my expectations on when this life, on what this life has to offer me. When disappointment happens, when the bills aren't getting paid, when the job goes south, when the relationship ends, you know, in my case, as a dumpster fire, a flame in a divorce, um, what usually causes all of the emotional upheaval at those moments are my expectations of how I thought things were going to go and how I thought they should go. Oh, that word should, should, supposed to. Um, and it is in this expectation that I am starting to renegotiate the requirements for things going to hell in a handbasket and for things being um, great or for me feeling happy. I've had to change my requirements. And in changing those requirements, I've changed my expectations. What is required for my life to go to hell in a handbasket? Disappointment. That's it. For something to not go the way I thought it should go, or the way I expected it to go, or the way I thought it was going. And I do remember having a discussion with my ex-wife about this, and she was reading a book where they were talking about uh, disappointment and self-pity and, you know, why me, why me, why me? And th the phrase that, that was a, a great response to kind of make us pause was, why not you? Why not me? And that has helped. That has helped. You know, lots of good people suffer hard times, suffer grief, disappointment, death of a loved one, you know, bankruptcy, car breaking down. It, it's not always this karma or, you know, um, oh, that's how my life goes, you know. And, and we, we co-sign the bad news with why should I have expected anything different? And the response to that is disappointing things are going to happen to you just as beautiful things are going to happen to you, right? For example, I had someone, more than, a, more than one person, I've had a couple of people, give me the money I've needed for some of my bills. And 
if I focus on the fact that I still have all these unpaid bills, instead of the fact that people who I have never met in person sent me hundreds of dollars to pay my bills. Hundreds of dollars to pay my bills. And I've managed to pay some of the bills. I had to use some of that money to pay other people back that I borrowed money from a month ago, six months ago, a year ago. Um, I'm $4,000 down in rent and I'm waiting for a PP loan, PPP loan that may come through. Um, but see, that's stressful. But here's the parts that I don't look at, right? Aside from these strangers that sent me hundreds of dollars, I have a landlord that is well aware of the fact that I'm $4,000 behind in rent. And he says, I know you'll catch up and walks away. I don't have a lease. I am on a month to month basis here. And instead he helped me fill out, he helped me fill out my PPP loan. And, you know, we're going to see what happens. Now, that's going to take at least 30 days to process. So there's a whole nother month. And he just doesn't bat an eye about it. There's other things, there's problems that I'm having with my landlord. And, and we'll, we'll work that out uh, one way or another. But right now, I am focusing on the beautiful things, right? Um, the fact that I still have a phone. I have two days to pay it off. And then I, a week later, I got to pay it off again. But I still have a phone. I still have a phone. Um, but, you know, in, in, in my time through social media in the last, it's been a year and a half. I, I look back on TikTok and I signed on to TikTok October of 2020. And in the last year and a half, 400,000 people have found what I had to say interesting. Now, mind you, in the last year and a half, I've started a Patreon account, I've started a podcast, and I have my TikTok page. Now, people, for some reason, believe that TikTok is paying an unfathomable amount of money to its content creators. Let me break this down to you right now. That's a lie. In the year and a half that I have been on TikTok, I am here to tell you I have made $636. That's what TikTok has paid me. TikTok has paid me $636. $136 for just being a content creator on their site. Now, that has nothing to do with the money I've made on my lives. The average amount of money I make on a live, average amount of money I make on a live, I would say is probably around $11. That's the average. Sometimes I've made as much as $25. Uh, that's not true. The most I've ever made is about $50 in one live. And it took me about two hours which is $25 an hour. That's a living wage, believe it or not. Um, and then there's other times where I've made like $1.32. Because those gems that you buy to give to other people to during lives or to just put onto a comment or, you know, you just want to send the creator some gems, TikTok takes a percentage of those gems. A large percentage. And they leave you with very little. Now, in the year that I've had the podcast, I've made $1,000. So that's, you know, what? $1,000. Uh, it's about 80 bucks a month. Okay? Um, in a perfect world, that would pay for my Wi-Fi. Um, but you're talking about $1,600 combined. Then I have a Patreon account. The Patreon account is not that old. The Patreon account is about... I started it just before, uh, let me see, did I start over the summer? 
it hasn't been a year yet. Um, and that has made me a couple of thousand. So um, altogether, right? I would say the, the, the Patreon has made me the most money. The Patreon account has made me about $3,000. So in the last year, just being a content creator on TikTok, Patreon, and podcast, I've made five grand in a year. A year. So I, I don't want, what my hope is, is that people don't assume um, that being, I don't quote, end quote, TikTok famous, 400,000 people is nothing compared to what some other people have. Um, and having this podcast, and sure, a lot of people have heard my voice and a lot of people may know my name. Um, and I've had some videos get turned into news articles. And yes, former President Barack Obama is following me on Twitter. But that shit ain't put no food in my fridge. <laughs> I still have a food card. You know, I'm still like trying to make these things happen. I'm still working on a memoir that is excruciatingly difficult to write. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, over the summer, uh, working on this memoir, I relapsed twice. Uh, bringing up all kinds of pain from my childhood and my adolescence and even my adult life. And, and this combination of self-pity and regret and disappointment and these expectations, right? Uh, battling with my expectations. I gave up quite a few times and said, fuck it, I'm out of here. And in giving up, I, I show, shut off the memoir you know, I sit here and, and sulk and isolate. Um, and, you know, you, you've maybe noticed that sometimes I'm gone for like a week and I just... <sighs> there are days when I do too much reflecting on all the disappointing aspects of my life's experience. You know, father not being there, mother being drunk, mother... You know, being neglectful, being gone for days at a time, getting high, getting drunk, uh, her going to prison, uh, my dad dying of the virus. Um, I lost both my parents before I was 35. Uh, my dad died when I was in my mid-20s. My mom died when I was in my early 30s. And that was, man... Just writing about that, I started to feel all the feels. And then I started to reflect on all of these times where I was so in love. And what I don't know what it is. I, I, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I had such a self-centered mom, right? Now, when I say that, it doesn't mean that she's never done anything for me. It doesn't mean that she didn't love me. It doesn't mean that she was never available, that she didn't help, that she didn't rush me to hospitals and made sure I eat and made sure I had clean clothes or cleaned my room when I was a kid or, you know, made sure there was a roof over our head and things like that. Yes, she did those things. However, my mother's own trauma prevented her from loving me to her fullest potential. And in that, there were beatings and there were abusive words and there was neglect because 
my mother loved me the best she could, but not to her fullest potential. The best that she was able to without therapy, the best that she was able to without a spiritual direction or condition, um, the best she was able to with very little money, frustrated with her job, uh, hating where we lived, um, physical pains that she had. Um, and then, you know, she, in her frustration, committed a horrible crime and went to prison. And she was gone by the time I was in my, you know, my mid-teens somewhere. I, I, I'm at that age where I can't remember how old I was when things happened, which is also frustrating me with the memoir. Um, but somewhere between 14 and 16, my mother went to prison. And that's a horrible thing. And in some ways, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it was a beautiful thing. My mother was responsible for a lot of my emotional pains. Even though she loved me, I watched my mother go through what I believed to have been her bipolar disorder, her CPTSD. And as a kid, you know, you expect this, you know, Florence, uh, no, not Florence Nightingale. You, you, you just expect this, um, I don't know, like a saint, you know, I, your mom is always there and always has the food and, you know, oh, hey, let me get you some, da, 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 da. and, you know, do you need this? And, oh, you know, if anything ever, just call me. And my mom said, yeah, you know, if there's anything wrong, just call me. And, you know, I love you. And, you know, have you eaten? But there was also, you know, what do you mean you haven't eaten? Where the fuck is your money? <laughs> she made me food, but it was still this shaming tone, this condescension that came from her, you know. Um, oh, I'm sorry you lost your job. You know, a mom would be like, oh, I'm so sorry you lost your job, honey, but you'll get another one. My mom's like, what the fuck do you do now? <laughs> And I can laugh about it now. The woman's been dead, you know, almost 20 years. But, you know, and it was a certain charm and a safe expectation I had for her responses. Like, you know, you kind of saw that coming. Um, but it is in having this, you know, and, and when my mom was upset about something, nothing else mattered. When my mom was upset about bills, she didn't want to hear about my fucking good grades. When my mom was frustrated about her physical pains, you know, and I was a little kid. She didn't take my pretty picture and, and put a fucking magnet on it on the fridge. You know, she was like, John, get that shit out of my way, all right? I'm not in the mood. And in being raised around, being raised by a woman with such an unpredictable charm, I searched for those qualities in my partner's. This narcissistic, emotionally unpredictable, shaming, condescending type partner. And I think in, in hindsight, right? Because hindsight's always 2020, but I think that it was my partners were always the second chance to make things right for my mom. And I'm over it. Like, I'm not doing that shit no more. And so my expectations for a partner have changed. And in having 
changing expectations for a partner. Child, I have been single for a while. I have not settled. And can I just tell you, it is painful. It is difficult. It is lonely. I have a twin bed and that bitch feels like a football field when I lay on it. Um, however, it's been beautiful because I haven't had the disappointment. I haven't had the shame. I haven't had the frustration of another narcissistic partner. And that has been a gift that I've given to myself. And for that, in this moment, may change five minutes from now, I'm happy. I'm happy that I have at least loved myself enough to not reel in another monster from the river of love. Like, <laughs> I have not, uh, you know, rolled out the red carpet for a, a, the rudest type person on the face of the earth. So, I can give myself a little pat on the back. I can say this, this is one thing that I've done right. So, recovery has been, man, it's it's been a minefield. It's been hard. Um, I've considered uh, giving up my apartment and moving back into recovery housing, which, you know, could help, right? Because I'd actually have someone to be accountable to because I, I think that's a lot of this living by myself and sometimes being self-destructive is having um, no one to be accountable to but myself. And I don't think that I'm spiritually and emotionally self-reliant enough sometimes to do the right thing just for the sake of doing the right thing. Having nobody around to go, John, no, mm-mm, no. No, we ain't doing that today. That's that's not what we're about today. Um, has given me free reign to fuck up my life if I choose to. However, this is the longest I have ever lived alone without trying to kill myself, without um, going completely off the rails. And, you know, with all of its bumps and, and breaks... I'm still proud of myself for where I am in my life. Could I have done better? Maybe. Could I have done worse? Maybe. I'm here now. And today, I'm giving myself a break. Today, I am going to say I love me just the way I am with every physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual flaw I possess. I love me. I love me enough to make this podcast and keep my promise to people. I love myself enough to go get a new state ID because my wallet's missing. Go get another social security card. Um, and then maybe go donate plasma next week. Um, I found out I can make a thousand dollars a month donating plasma twice a week, which would really help me with my bills. And, and (laughs) 
you know, I've, I've asked so many times for subscribers to this podcast, and I just find it so ironic that in one month, I can make more money allowing somebody else to suck out the plasma in my blood than I have running a podcast for an entire year. So that tells me two things. One, my blood's expensive. <laughs> and two, I am not working hard enough on this podcast to get it to where it needs to be. I'll say that again, especially that second part. I have not worked hard enough to get this podcast to where it needs to be. And that, that right there is the truth I don't want to admit to myself or anyone else. I could be doing more. If I'm being honest with myself, I could be doing more. If I look back on all the hours that I've spent watching Hulu, scrolling through TikTok for no apparent reason, um, you know, taking naps, um, uh, you know, bullshitting outside with a neighbor. I mean, sometimes that's like an hour, um, you know, just or sitting here feeling sorry for myself, even like I could spend I could spend an entire day reflecting on every bad moment in my life and not realize the day is gone completely. You know, the day is completely gone. It's, it's just gone. Um, and before you know it, it's time to go to bed. Well, I'm like, wow, where'd the day go? Well, the day went to you feeling sorry for yourself. So like, let's not do that again. Huh? Let's, let's try to do something different. So this is my life. And, and there's this, (laughs) this song. Oh my God. There's this song by, um, what was their name? God. The cult of personality. Living Color. Living Color had this song called um, This is the Life. And this song was so sad and so depressing at first that it was like a kick in the teeth. You know, he says, in another life, all your jokes are funny. In another life, you never have to cry. And uh, then then the hook comes in. But this is the life you have. This is the life. And then it just goes into this metal riff. And I've loved that song. And I didn't know why. And it's because my spirit... When that song came out, man, I was like 14, 15. My spirit was craving acceptance. My spirit, I, I was I was so angry. My mom was in prison. My dad was running the streets with AIDS. My fucking oldest brother froze to death in the snow. Like, I, like things were never going to be what I thought they should be. But this is the life I have. This is the life. This is it. This is the one. And, you know, I chuckle to myself when somebody with as much privilege as Kim Kardashian says, I mean, people just don't want to work. I'm like, bitch, I've been trying to stay alive since I was 13. What the fuck is you talking about? And I apologize for that, bitch. I shouldn't have said that. Um, that was wrong. Ugh. 
my inner misogyny. I just, you know, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on it little by little. Um, but that woman really just got under my skin. Like, you got it. And you know what? You know what irritated me even more? We're, we're going to cackle about this just a little bit. Kim Kardashian didn't piss me off as much as her friend. When she said, nobody wants to work anymore. And she was like, yep, so true. Oh, my God, it's so true. I was like, if you don't shut the fuck all the way up. Oh, my God, nobody asked you a goddamn thing. Who are you? Why are you even on the screen right now? What, what are you in relation to Kim Kardashian? Like, you just had to hear your voice in the video, didn't you? Um, <laughs> but I've been working hard my whole life. Sometimes it was to make money. Sometimes it was to keep breathing. Sometimes it was to hold on to my sanity. I was working hard when I signed myself on, into mental institutions. I was working hard when I took myself to detox after drinking myself nearly to death. I was working really hard on trying to save my marriage for a long time. I was working really hard on trying to earn the respect of people I looked up to. I was trying really hard to get closer to people I admired. I work hard still, but not on a lot of the same things. I no longer work that hard to get the recognition or approval of people that I have admired. That's one thing I've stopped doing. I've stopped working really hard to get noticed by people I admire. Now I just work really hard. That's it. I work really hard for me to be happy with me. I think that's what I'm supposed to do for my entire life. I think the goal is to be loving to me. That shouldn't, here we go with that word. It's, I'm not going to say that shouldn't. It is unfortunate that I need to remind myself to love myself rather than that being the ongoing mantra from, from childhood to old age. It's unfortunate that that is not the mantra for most of us to start this day loving myself. I need to start my day with loving myself before I love my children, before I love my partner, before I love my friends, before I love TikTok, before I love music. I need to love me with all of my flaws, with my, you know, losing muscle tissue, getting older, with now after having my gallbladder removed, not being able to always control things in my digestive department the way I'd like to. Um, all my scars, my past, my regrets, my fears, my insecurities, my cynicism. To love myself with, not in spite of, but with all of these things. And not because they've made me who I am today. I fucking hate that. But because I am who I am. And this is the life I have.
This is the life I have. This. This is the life. And ain't it beautiful, y'all? And aren't you beautiful? And I love you. If you haven't told yourself yet, I love you. And y'all, I want you to have a good morning. Stay cool. Stay safe. Look in that mirror and do your job. Hey, y'all. You ever heard of an amazing young woman by the name of Zinzi Smith? Well, I have. And her and I had just an amazing conversation on Beyonce's internet. I will have you know that 20-year-old Zinzi Smith has her own black woman-owned business for an entire year now teaching spin classes. And let me tell you, she's enthusiastic. She wants the world to know that she's ready to help you shed them pounds from Thanksgiving and Christmas and help you keep up that New Year's resolution that all of us middle-aged people like to make while we're still making them. So I, for one, am going to try and take one of her classes, just $15 for an online class with Zinzi Smith. She also teaches in person in studios in Brooklyn and in Queens and NYC. And all around, I got to tell you, I am just in awe of her. So you can reach out to her on Spin With Zin. That's Spin With Z-I-N on TikTok and on Instagram. And let her know that you heard it here on Black Fluid Poets Podcast. And you're trying to shed them pounds and keep up that New Year's resolution. You feel me? So give her a shout out. Let me know how it went.